Election College, episode number 213. Elizabeth Monroe. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm, well, I'm just doing peachy. How about you? Good. I'm so happy to hear that you're doing peachy. And I thought you might want to know that we're going to be talking about a first lady this episode. I know that's probably no, shocking to you. Yeah, I know. We're not going to talk about first lady. It's weird. It's weird. I know. Breaking out of the last couple episodes here where we talked about other first ladies, but Elizabeth Monroe, she's next up and we're going to give her her episode, her long, well-deserved episode. Yeah. So if you don't know, Elizabeth Monroe is the wife or was the wife of James Monroe, the fifth president of the United States. But we're jumping way ahead. Let's start back. Elizabeth was born in New York City, on June 30th of 1768, she was the youngest child, youngest daughter, of a merchant and his wife. Yeah, Lawrence and Hannah. And her dad actually helped found the New York Chamber of Commerce. I bet that's a huge organization at this point. Yeah, I'm sure that they are a internationally known entity with very much influence, probably more influence than we even know about. Are you saying something about the Illuminati right now? I'm just saying there's probably a careful eye involved. <laughs> probably. You're, you're probably correct. A watchful eye, even. The all-seeing eye? Anyway, uh, her dad was, like Jason said, one of the founders of the Chamber of Commerce, and he was around during the Revolutionary War. He had a few different ships that were... Uh, out, fitted out in New York, and he also was at least a slave owner of about four slaves. Uh, there could have been more, uh, but they know for sure, you know, documentation and everything. So she grew up in that kind of environment, and, uh, you know, he had a lot of different land. He was able to buy tracts of land in Delaware County, New York, uh, which is now Courtright, New York, which is interesting because... His last name was Courtright, so obviously he was pretty well off to have a, a town named after him. Yeah, and so being from a well-to-do family, Elizabeth grew up knowing all of the things that young ladies would know about, you know, she probably wore gloves a lot, stuff like that. And is that, that's the correct era, right? I think so. Sure. Yeah, it's close enough. So she went to Trinity Church there in New York. So been something that I'm struck with when we're talking about this era and people and just the fact that death was everywhere. And Elizabeth's mother, Hannah, died when she was, wow, only 39 years old. And she allegedly died from a condition called childbed, which is infection. And Elizabeth's younger uh, sibling, they don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but was only 13 months old, died just a few days after her mother died. So, wow. Um, tragedy struck when she was just nine years old. 
Yeah, and just a few, about a year later, actually, the uh, family home that they were in was destroyed by a fire, almost. And uh, there were a bunch of different homes in that area, and she and her father and their her siblings were able to escape. So just barely avoiding that disaster. Uh, so skip ahead a few years. We don't know a whole lot about kind of the teen years of Elizabeth Monroe. But we know that in 1785, she was in New York City, and so was James Monroe. And he was there serving on the Continental Congress. We've talked about that a lot. And his cousin, and also a congressman, his name was William Grayson, introduces them and describes Elizabeth as being made so brilliant and lovely in appearance as to depopulate all the other boxes of all the genteel male people therein. So what he's saying is, she cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so James, he's 27 years old. He marries Elizabeth. She's only 17. They marry in 1786 at her dad's house. And Benjamin Moore, he was like the paint guy, right? Mm-hmm. Same guy. No, I don't think so. But no. I mean, Benjamin... There's people named Benjamin. They're trustworthy. They're very reverend-like. He married them. They honeymooned at Long Island, and they lived in New York until Congress adjourned. But it wasn't too soon after they were married, and maybe we need to count this. Uh, So they were married in February, and they had a daughter in December. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So a couple years later, actually about eight years later, James gets appointed to be the minister to France for the United States by President George Washington. And so they're in France, they're in Paris there. And uh, this is during the time where, you know, the reign of terror and everything like that. Uh, So Elizabeth is hanging out there as the wife of an American minister. And you can imagine that was kind of uh, a really interesting time. Uh, There was also the wife of Marquis de Lafayette, uh, Madame Lafayette, and she was imprisoned and threatened with death by a guillotine. So the Monroes and some other individuals uh, helped get her released, and they also helped give uh, shelter some, to some different American citizens, to Thomas Paine, uh, because he was there and had some opposition to the king. And yeah, so it was kind of an eventful time while they were there in France. Yeah. And this is kind of crazy, because you think French history, you think U.S. history, the two intertwine a little bit in this era, because There's some good relations going on between the United States and France, especially during the Jefferson administration. But Napoleon, like his family, they're friends with the Monroes. And James Monroe is like, hey, I like France. These people are pretty nice. And what happens in 1796? Well, John Adams, he and George Washington, they have this treaty thing going on called the Jay Treaty. You know what that is. We've talked about that. Monroe is all about not supporting the Jay Treaty. (laughs) So, you know, he gets recalled. So they go back to Virginia and James becomes the governor. 
and they have another son who only lives a couple years and passes away. And it was during this time period where Elizabeth starts to have some pretty serious health issues. Uh, she goes through a series of seizures and collapses. They think maybe she could have had epilepsy, but you know weren't really sure with the diagnosis at that time. And this kind of became a uh, chronic thing for her. She suffered with it the rest of her life and really caused her to... Uh, not be as socially active as she would have been previous to that. In 1803, Thomas Jefferson, TJ, appoints James Monroe as the United States minister to Great Britain and the United States minister to Spain. He didn't need just he didn't need just one job, you know, he needed two. And so <laughs> That's a lot of ministering. Uh, yeah, exactly. Waka-waka. Elizabeth goes with him and uh, everything like that and she's like, "You know what? I I kind of liked France better." Uh, the British here are resentful. Uh, the, they they don't seem to like me or anyone here. Uh, and you know, may, I don't know. Maybe in like nine or ten years, we'll go to war with them again, and they'll burn down the White House and and uh, stuff like that. Not the White House. <laughs> uh, they'll burn down the Capitol. Whatever. And uh, I, she just had a sense about it. I think. I don't think she really saw the future, but it'd be fun if she did. Yeah, we could like start a whole podcast, like. Not just Mm -hmm. an episode, but a conspiracy podcast about how Elizabeth Monroe and the French. I I like it. Maybe not. (laughs) But, you know, 1804 rolls around and TJ's like, hey, go to France and help negotiate the purchase of Louisiana because that would be a great thing to do. And he's still the ambassador to Great Britain and Spain at this time. And while all this is going on, Napoleon is like, hey, get over here, buddy, because I'd like to have you attend my coronation. That'd be pretty sweet. So, yeah, do that. So they're over there in Europe, and they're loving Paris. They think all is well with the world. And in 1807, all is well so much that they decide to come back to the United States. Well, Monroe gets off the boat, and he instantly wins election (laughs) (laughs) and returns to the House of Delegates in Virginia, and he resumes his law practice. Yeah, so in 1811, James Monroe gets elected to another term as the governor of Virginia, but he ends up only serving for about four months there. Uh, James Madison was the president and was like, hey... James Monroe, we have the same first name. That is neat. And you should be Secretary of State. And, you know, the Senate agreed on everything and, and uh, voted him in. And uh, interestingly enough, he was Secretary of State, but he didn't have a whole lot to do during that time because Madison and all the different congressmen, you know, the Warhawks that we've talked about before, they're pretty active. And so James is like, well, I guess I don't have a lot to do. So where's Elizabeth, right? She is back, this episode's about her after all, she is back in Virginia (laughs) on the estates that they own there. And so uh, she kind of gets sidelined for a little while while he is Secretary of State. And then later, he becomes Secretary of War as well. Yeah. So what you need to know about Elizabeth during all this time is her husband is one very busy dude. And... (laughs) Um, 1817 rolls around. Well, maybe I should say 1816 rolls around. He's running for president. He's in the running for president. Did people really run for president back then? 
kind of. Oh, you you know they really did. Yeah. They, Deep down. They did kind of, sort of. So he wins the election, and we've talked about that before. So she moves into the White House with her husband in March of 1817. And guess what? The White House is under reconstruction because of the whole War of 1812 business. So Elizabeth is like, hey, let's have the inaugural ball at our private residence. So come on over, everybody, and party with us at our place. I don't think that would fly in this day and age. Hmm. It would be interesting for sure. Because all of the furniture and everything like that had been destroyed, the Monroes actually brought some of their furniture and decorations from their private residences. And they had that little party and, you know, they actually helped furnish some of the buildings that are in the area to this day. Uh, James gets reelected to a second term in 1820. Elizabeth, of course, attends the inaugural ball and she remains as first lady. She, people liked her. She had a lot of people admired her, but she came after Dolly Madison and that's tough because Dolly Madison, everybody liked Dolly Madison. She kind of set the standard for years to come. Yeah, we're still eating our food. That's kind of accurate. Uh, <laughs> so she really did have a uh, a good relationship with the American people. But at the same time, they were always kind of comparing her to what came before. So because Elizabeth was so sick uh, for most of her life... Uh, and unable to do a lot of social things, her daughter Eliza acted in some instances kind of like the first lady and took up some of those responsibilities and kind of maintained that role during that period of time. Yeah, so really the Monroes left this legacy, and I I don't know how much of a legacy it is because we don't really think of it as the foremost thing, but they were very tight with the French. And that doesn't mean just diplomatically. It doesn't mean, hey, Napoleon is our buddy. But when it comes to refurnishing the White House and what it looks like to host people and have events in an official White House setting, any semblance of French that goes along with that, which I kind of tend to think about that when I think of formal White House thing. <laughs> um, yeah. You can credit the Monroe family because they were in pretty tight with that way of thinking. Yeah, so after James Monroe retired, well, not really retired, but his terms were up as president, they had a lot of debt. Uh, He and Elizabeth had a lot of debt from all the years of public service and, you know, going back and forth across the ocean, staying here and refurnishing the Capitol and, and the White House. So... Monroe ends up selling uh, some of his different properties and paying off some debts. And they kind of retired into non-existence with the public, I guess. Elizabeth did end up traveling to New York a few times uh, to, to visit family and her daughter and everything. But she wasn't really going to be a social butterfly at that point. Uh, she had fallen at one point and had severe burns uh, because she had fallen into a fireplace about a year after they left the White House. And when she was 62, she passed away uh, at Oak Hill, one of their estates. Yeah. And uh, she was buried at that estate. And, of course, James passed away later on. And 
Both of their remains were moved to Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond, Virginia. Years later, Elizabeth actually, her remains weren't interred at Hollywood until 1903, so quite a bit later. Hey, Jason, you know how we always talk about cousins and stuff? Yeah. Crazy well, cousins. Elizabeth Monroe is a first cousin twice removed to FDR. Oh, dear. Can somebody explain that one? <laughs> okay, I can. Okay. FDR's paternal grandmother okay. was Elizabeth Monroe's first cousin. Wait a second. Clear as mud now, right? It's like a hundred years difference. I know. <laughs> okay. But if it was his grandmother, that would be easy to do, right? Okay. So yeah. that means his dad's mom was a first cousin to Elizabeth Monroe. That doesn't, that doesn't jive. I don't believe that. Well, the internet says it, so it has to be true. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know what else the internet says? What's that? Internet says... Leave Jason and Ben a review on iTunes. That's accurate. It does. So, um, yeah, you can do that by going to electioncollege.com slash iTunes or electioncollege.com slash review. And you can leave a sentence or two. I prefer that you would hit the five star button on your way to leaving a comment. And we certainly would appreciate it. We also love interacting with you over on social media. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Election College. I guess that's all we have for this time. We'll see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.